today such a happy day, but it's actually also a story in two parts. And just to get us thinking about that, I want you to just to think for a moment, what is your favorite movie or story? Okay. Anyone want to shout one out? Yep. Harry Potter, I've got that here as one of our four favourites from the, the Darwin video collection. Yeah, DVD collection. What's yours? Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Brilliant. We'll have one more. What's that one? Ice Age. Ice Age. Oh, exciting. All right, go on then, Nate. Zombie. Zombie. Brilliant. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hope you're not all acting like zombies after my talk, so... Brilliant. So, now, let me ask you about these films and these stories that we've talked about. Okay, because this is how I think that most films and stories work, especially those for children, okay? At the beginning, we get to know the characters in the story. In the middle, they end up in a really, really terrible situation. And then the rest of the film sees it all being turned around, leading to a happy ending normally with the hero saving the day. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's how most stories and films work, doesn't it? It's a formula that we know and love, and it makes for a great film, a great story. But here's the thing. We see that formula, and we see that pattern, also in the greatest true story ever told. Indeed, the most important true story ever told. And that's the Easter story that we're celebrating today. And it's the greatest and the most important because it affects every one of us, children and adults all over the world, past, present, and future, now and for eternity. It completely changed the course of human history, and it's still having a huge impact today. We're going to tell that story this morning. And we're going to do it in two parts. Part one, about like those films, when it all seems to go so, so wrong, leading up to the crucifixion on the Friday when Jesus died on the cross. And then part two, a little bit later, when everything comes so, so right again. First on that first Easter Sunday, and then continuing into our lives and our part in that story today. So part one now, and I want to tell it from two points of view, okay? The first is what we could call the human perspective, the human point of view, what it felt like for Jesus' family and friends. And the second is what we could call the heavenly perspective, the story from God's point of view as key to his plan for the world. Now, so, first of all, then, the human perspective. And this is a recap of the week leading up to Easter Sunday that we've been remembering this week uh, in all of the services and events of what we call Holy Week. Now, a week ago, it was Palm Sunday. Do you remember that? And we waved the palms, didn't we, as we sang a song and the crowds on that first Palm Sunday shouted, Hosanna, as Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Yet Jesus knew that there were people plotting to kill him. He warned his disciples repeatedly about it, and that one day it would lead to his death. Indeed, very, very soon. So on the Thursday evening, do you remember what 
we celebrated then. We call it Maundy Thursday, and that's where Jesus had the Last Supper. He gathered his 12 closest friends, the disciples, into an upper room in Jerusalem. He washed their feet with a bowl a bit like this. And then he did something very special, didn't he, at that meal that we call the, Lord, the Last Supper. He took some bread and he broke it in front of them and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took a cup of wine, which is under there. I won't pick it up. And he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Now, you can just imagine how devastated or how confused the disciples were. Now, Jesus was telling them, and I think they only fully realized this afterwards, that the next day, his body really would be broken and his blood really would be shed. And that they should remember that for the rest of history. And that night, Jesus went down to his disciples to a garden near the Mount of Olives. And there he was arrested by some Roman soldiers. So they took him and they led him away. And there he stood trial. And after he had stood trial, which was done in a rush in the middle of the night, he was sentenced to death. And then you'll know the next day, what we call Good Friday, he was forced to carry his cross through the city until they got to the place, the hill, where he was going to be crucified. And when he got there, after three hours, nailed to a cross, he died. Now just imagine how his followers felt. They were devastated. For their greatest friend their truly inspiring leader, the man they worshipped and loved, had died. He was buried in a tomb that would have looked a little bit like this one by a man called Joseph of Arimathea, who was secretly a believer in Jesus. And that, everyone assumed, was that. The end of the story. A great man tragically killed the hopes of the disciples, and the hopes of a nation completely and utterly crushed. But that wasn't all that was happening. That was, if you like, the surface level, the human level. Deep down, something else was going on, the level that only Jesus fully understood. And that was the heavenly perspective, God's plan being fulfilled now, to understand this, the one thing we need to realize is that God actually made this happen. The cross was no accident. God meant it to be. And we know that because God predicted it over hundreds of years leading up to that time. And we're going to hear an example of that now, taken from the Old Testament from Isaiah 53, which I'm expecting grace. That's right, there she is. To come and read that to us. But because of our sins he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did. We are healed by the punishments he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. All of us were like sheep that were lost, each of us going his own way. But the Lord made the punishments fall on him. 
the punishments we all, deser all of us deserved. Brilliant. Thank you, Grace. Lovely. So why did God plan it all like this? Because Jesus' death was solving a problem, a very serious problem. The problem that God is holy, but we are not. God is perfect, which means he can only do what is pure and loving and good and right. But we're not perfect. We do many good things, but we can't help to let him down at times. In the things that we do or say or think or the things that we forget to do or say or think. And it places a barrier, a bit like this wall here. A wall that we can't get past. We can't get over it. We can't get round it. It's a barrier between us and God. That was the problem. Only a perfect human being could remove it. And that person was Jesus himself. He lived the perfect life. There's nothing recorded about Jesus that suggests anything other than he was perfect in all that he did. And he lived the perfect death in a loving sacrifice, taking the punishment we deserved. So the barrier between us and God was destroyed. And the way to be friends with him and to live with him forever was made clear. That's why we call the day Jesus died Good Friday, because it meant the biggest problem of human history had been solved. It meant we could all be forgiven if we put our trust in him. It meant we could all have peace. We could all have the joy of God in our lives. We could all be set Free. Bethany, over to you. Thank you, Tom. Now, as Tom just said, when we put our trust in God, we can all be forgiven. And so I wonder, are there any children who want to come forward? Because we're going to do a little activity for the next bit. It's up to you. Do you want to come and join me at the front? That's it. Brilliant. Because we're going to do a bit of time of saying sorry to God for things. Do you want to sit on this step for just a moment in front of me while I explain what we're going to do? Brilliant. That's it. Awesome. So when we do things wrong, God forgives us. And that's why Jesus died on that cross to take away all of the wrong things we may have done. So I wonder if all of us, children and adults, for a moment could think of something we want to say sorry to God for. Perhaps something that's getting in the way of us being kind and loving and knowing God in the way that we should. So can we all have a think of something now? Brilliant. Okay. Now, as a symbol of the fact that Jesus, when he died, his blood washed away all the things that we've done wrong. So I wondered if all of you could help me. And I have got some red ribbons here, and I've got some blue tack. And we're going to stick them on the cross as a sign of giving to God all the things that we've done wrong for him to wash away and forgive us. So I'm going to give all of you, would you like to take a little red ribbon each? There we go, one at a time. We can line up by the cross. Just grab one. And I'm going to give you a little bit of blue tack as you come. And we're going to stick them onto the cross. There you go. 
Okay. Good job. That's all right. And then once you've stuck it on, you can sit back down on the step and I'm going to pray and we're going to give to God all these things. Lots of bits stuck on the cross there. Wonderful. Okay. And adults, it might be that you would like to do this thing as well as a symbol of giving these things to God. And so during the next song, I do have some more ribbons here, and you can always come up and stick one on yourself. But before we sing, I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to give all these things to Jesus and say sorry. Okay? So let's all pray together now. God, we're sorry for all of the things that we have done wrong. We're sorry for the times where we have hurt other people, where we haven't thought about loving you, and where we've perhaps put up barriers to getting close to you by things we've been tempted by or things that we haven't done. And so, God, we say sorry for all of these things and ask that you would forgive us now so that we can be closer to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are going to have a song now. And as I say, if any adults want to also stick one on, I do have a few left here. Um, But we're going to sing and think about how Jesus forgives us for all these things we do wrong. So let's let's all stand (laughs) and we can sing. To see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the
the cross. So let's just pray and thank him that he takes away all of those things. So thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Thank you that you fully wipe clean anything we have done wrong. And thank you for new life in you. We praise you, God. Amen. So I'm going to wrap this round here. It's a symbol that all those red ribbons we put on are replaced because Jesus rose again. Okay, please do take your seats. So we've heard the story of Jesus' dying and all that it meant. And how for Jesus' friends and family, it was such bad news, such a terrible tragedy. And yet through God's eyes and through God's purposes, it was actually very good news. The best news because of what it accomplished, because of what it achieved. And we know that because of what happened two days later. The events of Easter Sunday, the empty tomb that you can see here that we celebrate today. When the disciples discovered that what had happened to Jesus was not actually a tragedy. It was a triumph. And it was not sin and evil that had triumphed. It was goodness and love. So we're going to hear now Matthew's account of what happened that day, which Caleb is going to read to us. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Madeline and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Thank you so much, Caleb. What had happened? Jesus had risen from the dead. And first the angel, and then Jesus himself had confirmed it. And later, he appeared on the road to Emmaus with those two uh, disciples going there um, to that town. And then he appeared to the, the 12, the, those disciples, together in a room in Jerusalem, as well as many other times over the next few weeks. Now, how did the disciples feel now? Of course, they were so, so happy. The happiest day they had ever felt in their lives. It was beyond their wildest dreams. Their best friend was back, risen from the dead. And so what they assumed had been the end of the story was in fact only the beginning. Now when Jesus died, he was put in a tomb, a cave in the rock. Now, when we die, we're not put in tombs these days. Generally, we're put in boxes called coffins. Now, I don't have a coffin, you'll be pleased to know. 
but I do have a box, okay? And it represents death. That's why it says death on it. it there we go. <laughs> it represents death. And it represents that it seemed to be the end of the story. And it seemed to be that actually all of us would die and then that would be it. But when Jesus rose from the dead, it changed everything. There we go. <laughs> oh, I'm caught on it. Yeah. It showed that actually a box, a coffin, or a tomb is just a passageway to something far greater, eternal life in heaven. And it showed, as these balloons signify, that love had triumphed. We see those hearts there. Life and goodness had won. Death and evil had been defeated. And there was a new job for his disciples and for us to do. And we know that from the last time that he appeared to his disciples before he ascended to heaven. And here's what he told them, which Thomas is going to read to us now. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age well done Thomas great so the Easter story didn't finish on that first Easter Sunday it continues today as we join all of his disciples some two billion people or more around the globe as we join in with his mission and play our part in God's purposes for the world. So will you become a disciple, a follower of Jesus as he calls us to do, as he longs for us to do? If that's something you're up for exploring, can I share with you a very special opportunity? You saw a video at the beginning about the Alpha course, and we're running an Alpha course on the 4th of May, which is a Thursday night for nine weeks with a break for half term. And it's going to be here at 7.30. And you'll see on your chairs, you've got some little slips of paper that give you the details. And you can fill that in after the service if you want to find out more about it. Just give that to myself or a steward, and we will tell you more. Or from month tomorrow, you can go onto the website and sign up there as well. Now, Alpha is a great way, which millions of people around the world and over a million in this country have used 
to explore what life is all about. You can do it as young people and children as well. And if you are a Christian already, but you want to re-explore or see your faith strengthened, well, it's a great way of doing that as well. And it's completely free of charge. And there's delicious food every week. So that's Alpha. Do fill in that card if you want to. But in the meantime, what we're going to do now is respond as the disciples did in worship. To our Saviour Jesus, who died for us and rose again. And to God our Father, who planned it all and loves us all more than we can possibly imagine. Amen. So let's stand and sing.